BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of The Sulfuric Secrets a horror podcast produced by Between Two Worlds. The Sulfuric Secrets is a fictionalized account of what events might have transpired with just a few key changes in the historical timeline. Today is the follow-up to the Sulfuric Secrets introduction. The Sulfuric Secrets is told over different time periods and different locations as part of an overarching narrative. It is recommended that you listen to episode one of The Sulfuric Secrets in advance, Mr. Rollo and the Flayed Man for context, but for those just joining us, we started our first story on August 16th, 1858, across continental Europe, with the laying of the first transatlantic telegraph cable, and Mr. Rollo's horrendous experiment with the Flayed Man in the copper basement. Now... For episode two, we fast forward to North America in the 1940s. Episode two of the Sulfuric Secrets is called As Above, So Below. Return to the 1850s, to the lands known as Moldavia and Wallachia. We return to the copper basement that sits within it. This land sat undisturbed for years, and although geopolitics means nothing to the laws of nature, the country that held the cornfield above it was eventually given the new name of Romania. Yes. The affairs and whimsies of man mean very, very little to the laws of nature. For example, one of my favorite laws, as above, so below. In Hermetics, there is the law of the microcosm and the macrocosm, or, to simplify, the very small thing and the very big thing. Typically, 
the big thing and the small thing mirror one another. We see evidence for this everywhere in nature. We see fractals appear regularly. Take a fern leaf or a snail's shell and look closely at a small part of it. You'll see the entire thing in that isolated view. The Helix Nebula shares the same shape and structure of a human eye. The structure of the universe resembles the neural pathways of a brain, and the spiral appears in nature over and over again. We see the spiral in the tumbling of a wave, the curling of a stalk, the eye of a hurricane, or even in the swirl of our very own fingerprints. My favorite example of as above, so below, would be the vacuum of space and the atom. If you think about it, you can't really find anything in existence that's bigger or smaller than those two. We all know the vacuum of space is unimaginably large. The Earth that we rotate on could fit within the Sun one million three hundred thousand times. But even more astonishing is the amount of empty space that exists in our solar system. A great example is to imagine that each celestial body in the solar system is a different object. Firstly, imagine, if you will, the sun as about the size of a bowling ball. Then, imagine Mercury, Venus, Earth and Mars about the size of a single piece of cracked pepper. Then, finally, imagine Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus and Neptune ranging from the sizes of a coffee bean to a chestnut. If you were to accurately represent the distance between these objects, you would have to put the bowling ball on one end of an Olympic-sized swimming pool and put that single drop of cracked pepper in the middle of the pool. By the time you reach Neptune, you're now five Olympic swimming pools away from the sun. If you counted Pluto, that's half a kilometre away in the next suburb. So you might be wondering, what's in the massive amount of space between these four pieces of cracked pepper, four coffee beans and one bowling ball? The answer is empty space. Nothing but empty space. This is nothing compared to the increasing emptiness of space outside of the solar system. Now, compare the unimaginable amount of space in the universe to the humble atom. These tiny things are the building blocks of literally everything in existence. Protons and neutrons cuddle together like a tired couple in bed on a Saturday morning. They make up the nucleus. And electrons run around the outside of the nucleus like a hyperactive child on that very same Saturday morning. Now, there's a reason why this couple can sleep so well. And that reason is that the hyperactive child is nowhere near them 
just how far exactly is the electron from the nucleus's pairing of the proton and neutron? Well, if the nucleus was the size of a basketball, then the hyperactive electron would be running around two miles away. And what's in between the electron and the nucleus? Empty space. Nothing but empty space. Here you have the most important law in existence. The biggest thing imaginable and the smallest thing imaginable both share the same fundamental nature. Now you'd assume with all of that emptiness in existence that nothing would ever get done. But here we are. You'd assume that we wouldn't be able to exist. But here we are. So maybe what's in between isn't emptiness. Maybe the emptiness that's in between is the most important part. So, when people ask me, how was the flayed man kept alive? I simply answer, as above, so below. But what exactly is as above, so below? Well, it's very simple. The flayed man's body in the copper basement is missing a brain. But don't get me wrong, his brain is somewhere. It was placed somewhere else on the exact same day that his body was put in the copper basement on August 16th, 1858. You see, his brain was placed on the ocean floor. And those transatlantic telegraph cables eventually evolved to become the internet. And what is the internet? Physically, it's just servers and cables around the world. The neurons and nerve cells of the flayed man's brain. But then, this raises the question as to whether or not the internet has a consciousness. When the flayed man underwent his transformation, it was expected that a large part of his cognitive functioning would revert back to zero. Mr. Rollo was prepared for this. In order to succeed, Mr. Rollo would have to combine his magical skills and his anatomical skills. Or, should I say, Dr. Rollo. Dr. Rollo never understood why every two-bit medical practitioner had to insist on being called a doctor. He had earned his medical doctorate and preferred Mr. Or maybe he just liked how it rolled off the tongue. As above, so below. And so, 100 years after Mr. Rollo's horrendous ritual in the copper basement above the surface of the ocean, in the landmass that humans had eventually named North America. In the year of 1946, a man named Jack Olson was called upon to visit these cables. So below, so below the surface of the ocean he would be asked to venture. 
first transatlantic telegraph cable was made operational on the 16th of August, 1858. Tarot practitioners would warn budding pioneers not to lay anything of any kind on the 16th of any month. Why such a strong warning? Well, the reason is that the 16th of any month is ruled by the tarot card, the Tower. The Tower, already on its surface, looks like a pretty horrid scene. A large, tall tower struck by lightning. As the king and queen fall from the top, presumably to their death. It's a damnable card associated with the planet of warfare, Mars. And it represents the overthrowing of an old order by wanton force, warfare, and carnage. But maybe that's what he wanted. But speaking of other planets, the planet Neptune is associated with Poseidon, the god of the sea. The ancient Greeks and Romans both worshipped the god of the sea as Poseidon and Neptune, one as a benevolent force and one as a deity to be feared. Poseidon's realm was not only the mystery within the depths of the ocean, but the mystery within the depths of the human subconscious. When Jack Olson took the job to explore the ocean's depths, was he entering the realm of Poseidon or Neptune? Whatever it's called, the bath and scope. The bathosphere, honey. Your damn Abercrombie, you know what I meant. It ain't a bathosphere. It's bunko anyway, it's a submarine. It'll end up a trick for biscuits, and you'll end up staying there. Not if I can help it. We don't need help. We got a respectable nest egg right now. That I built. That I take care of. And here you are getting greedy. You don't know the company. You don't know who you're working for. You can't tell me the details. Sounds like they're putting the chisel to you, and y'all falling for it. I'll be back before the next row schools. And what about Jimmy? Who do you think I'm doing this for? What kind of man would miss his own firstborn? Have you even thought about him? Well, you can get his opinion when I get back. Jack Olson was a stubborn man. He was just like his father, except Jack got some of the opportunities that his father didn't and got himself an engineering degree. It seemed like a surefire thing, which is what you wanted to bet on after something as uncertain as the Great Depression. Jack earned good money on job after job as his country rebuilt, eventually becoming the best in his field but he kept the working-class mindset he had inherited. Which is why when he was offered the opportunity to lay some newfangled cables on the floor of the Mariana Trench in Southeast Asia, he didn't care how ridiculous the idea sounded. Not one bit. He only knew the name of the company, US Nord, and Desmond Lynch, the name of the man who gave him the job, 
He didn't know anything else. Jack didn't want to know anything else. Jack didn't care how little else he knew about the project. Not one bit. He didn't care about the sizable fortune he'd built for Margaret over the years on hydroelectric projects across the developed world. Margaret was a strong, smart woman of simple tastes. Hell, smarter than he was, really. She could have nailed the engineering game no problem, if only she'd ever been given a proper chance. But with someone like that that thinks so much, she also thinks too much. Too much about all of the possibilities. About everything that could go wrong, and not about the big, fat opportunity that was sitting right in front of their faces, waiting to be plucked. It wasn't even a question. If Jimmy had turned out to be a little Jamie instead, Jack was going to make sure that she or he was going to university and getting a degree as well. And their brothers. And their sisters. Hell, soon the Olsen clan would have a member in every single continent running the damn place. Jimmy Olsen, the doctor and career. Henrietta Olsen, the philosopher and Bogota. Charlie Olsen, the lawyer in Canada. And little Petunia Olsen, the botanist in Italy. Yeah, the idea made Jack smile so wide his jaw hurt. No, no. Margaret had been right many, many times, but this, this wasn't one of them. The months before Jack's expedition were kind to the Olsen couple. Margaret excitedly told Jack that it was looking like Jimmy was going to be a solstice baby. And Jack nodded and smiled sympathetically, pretending he understood what that meant. As Margaret continued to swell and eventually waddle around the house, Jack took more time off, clearing up his whole schedule to keep an eye on her before the one big job. In his leisure, Jack had begun to produce a belly that was competing with Margaret's. She'd smile softly during the hot, wet spring days by the dehumidifier, and they both sat in the living room, letting the sweat lazily collect on their exposed skin. It also meant that the two were finally able to talk again, like back when they were young. The joy soon began to show cracks, however, as Margaret's concern grew with each day that drew closer to Jack's departure date. I've been reading some books, Jack. They talk about things. On the bottom of the ocean, things are better left undisturbed. They're fiction, honey. All fiction comes from somewhere. At the very least, if we can imagine it, it can exist. I hate to admit it. When you get ridiculous like this, you, you argue in a, in, in a way that, that almost, I believe you. It's cute as a button, too. And will you see someone before you decide on going? Almost believe you. Come on. Fine. No expectations. I'll see whoever you want, but it's my decision to make. 
Of course. You've just listened to episode 2 of The Sulfuric Secrets. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we're going to have another look at Mr. Rollo's exploits. Be sure to support the project through the Between Two Worlds Patreon. You can also visit the Between Two Worlds YouTube page where there's additional content and a version of the Sulfuric Secrets with accompanying video. Until then, thank you and good night.